Rebellions are built on hope. And welcome to another episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast on program, everyone, on program. I'm here on this Star Wars Saturday with our friends, this year, Oti. How are you doing, Oti? I'm crammed in here, as you can see. <laughs> a lot of boxes. Yeah. All right. Hopefully a little bit better than last week but... where you're still fighting COVID. Oh, no, I, I feel great now. But look, I have a standing <laughs> desk. Oh my goodness! No, that's Star Wars right there. You have the technology finally. No more pillows, no more floors. Yeah. But we have a great guest joining us again in the rebellion, Roberto Venegas. How are you doing, Roberto? Hi everyone. I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about Andor, especially this freaking episode. Like, <laughs> man, where do we go from here? It's like, how do you top this? But I have all, all the confidence in the world. They will. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. And uh, we'll, of course, getting to it in a few minutes. I We've talked out there, oh, these three kind of episode arcs, is it going to get repetitive? Are we just going to know beforehand what's going to happen? And I wasn't kind of jumping out of my chair when, oh, three episodes of a prison break. But man, they don't miss. And this episode was another quality episode. So uh, we'll get I to it. I love how they said that we're going to like drift away from the three episode arcs and now <laughs> no, come on. Yeah, episode <laughs> seven, that's a standalone. No, come on, it's the first one. Uh, all right, if you're joining us today, thanks for being here. Make sure that you're subscribed to our channel. Twitter is going down in flames, so make sure you subscribe here on YouTube <laughs> so you can always find us and you get email notifications like this video whenever you're watching it now, later. And make sure to leave a comment down below what you thought about Andor. And all the things we'll be talking about today. And our friend is there, Mo. How you doing, Mo? Mo. All right. And as always, make sure that you're supporting and reaching out for the Amidala Initiative for Equality Texas. Help as you can. And also the National Network of Abortion Funds and the Watch Choice Fundraiser. And we can't leave our homeland without talking about it. Oti, help for Puerto Rico. Not just the hurricane, everything that happens over there, unfortunately, things haven't gotten better in the years and years have gone by, but eventually and vote, 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 and vote, vote. vote. We mm -hmm. are what three days away to say the primaries, not the primaries, the midterms. Yeah. Very important. Um, everyone out there knows where I lean. Just vote, at least make your voice heard. Know that your vote is not just for you, but a lot of people are gonna suffer if things go the other way so yeah. have your conscience clean at least you did your part so i voted by mail early if not go there do it in person on tuesday yeah and drag your friends your family members your boyfriend girlfriend yeah. whatever drag them to the polls with you yes i was gonna try to put the little the phantom menace vote vote in the senate when vote of no confidence but that led to the empire and we don't want that all right, but yeah, before we like non -mafia if it yeah. doesn't go well. No, no, no. All right, we're gonna start quick, but before we jump into Andor, um, Roberto, the first time that you were here, which was I don't know a year or so ago, maybe a little bit more, you mentioned that you and some of your friends were working on this Kickstarter or working on a short animated movie, and it was gonna come a quick uh, Kickstarter at some point, and we've been waiting, and it 
went live a couple of weeks ago. Can you talk a little bit more about what it is that you're doing out there? How can people help? All those, that fun stuff. Uh, yeah, so um, I'll, uh, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. So this is the short film and uh, animation that we're working on. Uh, horror called, it's called House de la Mancha. And this is a project that we've been working on for over 10 years. I think I worked on it for nine years, but it's 10 years in the making. And this is just a bunch of artists wanting to make uh, something, you know. And this was this time where, you know, you know, Hollywood was still Hollywood and not, not yeah. being so inclusive and all that. So and so we just wanted to start, uh, you know, make something. And during the whole pandemic uh, fiasco, you know, some people decided to start a studio and and try to work at try to work in making this actual uh, uh, movie, uh, the sexual short film to life. And so now we're at the point where we find ourselves in a really interesting position where, you know, we have a little bit of funds. We still need to raise more, and we put and we started this Kickstarter for a plushie, but the 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 goal is to actually not only fund the plushie, but also fund the movie and to get a little bit of word out that this project yeah, we're working on. So this project is coming regardless of um, how much we earn because we spent so much time and, and and passion and hard work on this that it's gonna happen no matter what. So if you have time, just uh, please, uh, uh, you know, we appreciate anybody sharing and uh, sharing our story, putting it, putting our Kickstarter out there and, and, and yeah, just spreading the word for this. Yeah. And you know, if you're watching this, you know, I put all the links down in the description of this video. So down at the bottom, apart from all the links of all the places you can help us, a link to the Kickstarter to fund Sancho. Look at that, look at that cute little plushy dog out there. Who, who doesn't want one of those? I want one for my kids. It'll be mine. I'll put it here somewhere. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, if you can, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know that Roberto is one of our best out there. He's a great artist. I have one of his paintings out there, uh, Darth Maul on his throne. So if you can help out, again, spread the word, do what you can. So yeah, check that out, description below, and you can find those links. All right, Oti, Roberto, if you guys are ready, I'm not ready, let's talk Star Wars and the Andor Files. I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Hasi? Hasi, <laughs> we don't know. We're going to find out. Maybe in 10 years, they'll do another canon shuffle and we'll have a discussion like Tales of the Jedi. Ah. Oti, what an episode. You look like you're like uh, like Cyril Karn moving out of your apartment back to your parents' <laughs> place with all the boxes down there. But yeah. uh, exactly the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> moving out of your parents' house. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they didn't get any Star Wars Cocoa Puff, which I know you don't like too much. I don't like but, Cyril. No. <laughs> uh, overall, quick thoughts on the episode before we jump in. It was great. Like <laughs> I know it's a boring answer, but I loved it. Um, there's a lot of. Mo I, I love the title of the episode. Ever since I saw it, like scrolling through yeah. Disney Plus, I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." And then when we get that scene, I was like, "Oh, okay. Like this is why." But then there's other scenes that mm -hmm. I think help with that title. So that was cool. I I love the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Roberto, first time here talking about the. And or in general, we've seen your tweets. You seem to be very excited about this show. Where do you stand just in general and then this episode? 
<laughs> Sorry if you hear my dogs if they're, if they're playing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I absolutely love this episode. Uh, it, you know, I can't stop gushing about this, uh, this show. But this episode in particular was at another level. And, and the reason is because, you know, not only do we see great character arcs, but you see things that we've seen before, you know, start making sense into this episode. And little things like that just makes, just brings out the joy in me with this, mm -hmm. uh, this whole show and especially this episode. Were you excited for Andor when it was announced? I know some people were kind of, eh, whatever. We know the story, Rogue One, maybe not their favorite, but were you excited for Andor before, yeah, when it got uh, announced? Yeah, absolutely. I think this was my number one anticipated show just because it was something kind of different. You know, I, out of uh, The Mandalorian, you know, I was excited when that came out, but I really didn't know what to expect out of John Farrow. And, and I, I, by now I know what to expect of Filoni. Mm -hmm. So this was something completely different. So I have, I just really had no idea. I felt like Cassian had a rich story to tell, but I just wasn't sure how it was going to come about. So the fact that at one point, once I got a feel of, of John Favreau and, and Dave Filoni, I was like, okay, I think this is might be the best uh, show Disney of Star Wars has done, and every episode it just proves that it has that it, that it is. Yeah, every episode I'm waiting for that one. Is this gonna be the week? That's gonna oh man, they let us down. This episode wasn't as good as the other one, but every week I don't wanna. It's I'm one that don't want to say oh this was the best episode yet every week, but it feels like it. Like every week they find a way to kind of step up the game, and this week again just crushed it. Uh, and you mentioned we didn't know what to expect. And I also have said here 20 times that it was my most anticipated show because I wanted to see that the difference between the Empire and uh, mm -hmm. Rebellion at that point, how the Empire kind of was taking over, or not taking over, kind of dominating and control the whole galaxy. And we're seeing that, but on a different on a different version that I didn't expect, especially for Cassian Andor which even when they said, oh yeah, this is not the guy you meet in Rogue One, he still hasn't figured it out. Oh, that's gonna be like two or three episodes, I thought, and then he'll be, he'll jump into the rebellion. We're nine episodes in, and he still has nothing, he doesn't want anything to do with the rebellion at this point. Completely unanticipated by me. But let's start there, Oti. Let's start with the ISB, and just how incredibly evil they are at this point, because oh, <clears throat> we're used to, <clears throat> I know it's bad, they destroy Alderaan. They just kill a whole planet, billions of people. But we don't see it, right? It's a planet explodes or something happened off screen. And we've seen Darth Vader and the Emperor do all these horrible things and talking. But seeing like regular people, mid-level managers, basically at this point with Deidre and some of those guys, just straight up planning on a board meeting on a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, let's just kill a pilot and put him back on a ship, and we'll make it look like an incident. Who cares? We'll just kill someone. It's like, how evil can you be that you're dressed in your tuxedos or whatever, and you're planning a murder, and nobody cares? It was just pretty bad. But of course, it starts on Ferrix, Dr. Gorse, and his torture techniques. We kind of now know why Pac was all messed up when, at the end of last episode, the, when Bix is brought in. But Oti, learning that the Empire just genocide just massacred the whole civilization recorded their screens and then used them to torture the people and even the the empire the imperials that were kind of 
compiling all these screams just went nuts. We just hold all under a bridge or something. This this just take that level of hatred or how evil the empire is in your eyes. I mean, I think so. I think the the show has done a great job at doing that. Like like you mentioned, I talked about this with in the Galactic podcast with with Lauren and Andrea. Um, how this show has made the empire's cruelty so visceral. Mm -hmm. It's it's no longer because as you mentioned, it's always these big things that are very hard for you to wrap your head around it, like blowing up a planet or maybe destroying a, a complete city. Like, yeah, it's big, but it's we don't see the impact of that mm -hmm. per, per se. Like we we never see the impact of the destruction of Alderaan, maybe in books with Leia and how that affected her. But we've never seen it in this scale. And in this show, we're seeing like the day-to-day -day effect of the Empire and how they disrupt Ferex, how they're making these prisoners' lives just miserable. And, you know, with that thing of the scream, hey, that was horrible. Like, yeah, you're listening to children dying. <laughs> But it's also, it, it's funny because this show has been very grounded and people have been like, praising it for that but it's also like yeah the sound of this species is gonna be mental torture mm -hmm. so it's also like very pulpy and very mm -hmm. fantasy in that sense yeah. like that it's kind of harry potter with the i don't know if you guys remember the plants in harry potter that they have a screech that they yeah. like torture you so it's kind of like that mm -hmm. um but again it's they're terrible they're, they're they have no value for life whatsoever it's you're just a number and You're, we'll use you until it's inconvenient and then we'll dispose of you like if you were just like a can or something. Yeah, and you mentioned it last week that it's difficult for us as fans to say, oh yes, this was a great episode when this last two episodes have been so depressing. And you know, I loved it, but it was so hard to kind of go through it. Uh, Roberto, for you, is it the same that now the Empire's brutality seems even worse? Because we hear when uh, Deidre is telling Dr. Gorge to go ahead and do his thing. The other guy that had brought um, Pack in the day before, he goes to Dita, hey, can I hang him? Just so people know not to mess with us. And she's like, yeah, whatever, do what you want. I got I got my own stuff going on. Oh, yes, great, I'm just gonna hang someone. For nothing, for just being there. That's evil, that's worse than Elder and Blow Up. Yeah, I know, billions of people, but I don't know, this just sounds worse. Because things like this can happen. Like Otis said, Wrapping my head around someone exploding a planet. Yeah, that's fantasy. Someone murdering someone else just to show a point. That can happen. It has happened in real life. Yeah. It, it, so I've been smiling uh, when you guys were talking because, I, you know, I absolutely am loving the ISB. And <laughs> I'm loving because what, what they've done is give us a different perspective of the mm -hmm. ISB. Before we thought these, you know, the empire is these bumbling idiots that, you know, mess up. But now we see that the, that this group of people that actually know what they're doing mm -hmm. and actually work well together. And you see that in the beginning. You see that in the beginning of the show when uh, Deidre is is explaining everything to Bix. Yep. You know, she knows everything. Everything. And that is scary because you see that she is methodical. She knows what she's doing. And then the whole story of the aliens, there's one thing that actually put a little fear in me. And that was the use of the word children uh, mm -hmm. when it came to the sounds that they that they discovered. And this whole 
thing was just completely, just completely out of a horror movie and cut it. And one of the one of the genius things about this 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 whole scene from the start is that Bix doesn't say that much. She doesn't say that much on purpose because not only doesn't want to give any any information, give a card, but because it also puts us in the place where a Bix is, where she is, and that is a scary scary thing because now we're feeling we're feeling what she's feeling we're feeling the fear you hear her breathe and that's almost like you're breathing and you could almost hear the sound when she starts screaming so the the brutality of the empire it's bracketed a lot a lot by a lot just in this first scene alone of the start of this episode it's just fantastic man i yeah go ahead no, I, I just want to say, like, I'll push back a little bit with that, Roberto, because I think we still see them being extremely incompetent, especially, like, mm. in those early episodes when they weren't paying attention to Deidre because of the paperwork. Like, come on, guys. And and with the prison, they don't, they, mm. and we'll talk about that, but they just, they're like, yeah, well, we don't need to supervise you because you're not going to do anything. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're but, absolutely right. But I, I get we're not seeing the whole Kenobi thing like <laughs> Leia and, and Kenobi under the same trench coat, but but yeah, uh, but I did what I did want to mention was like we're also seeing like they're just so horrible. That that mm -hmm. scene with the Bix, like I I'm sure like she would kind of maybe sell out something about Cassian, but she does tell Deidre, like, if I tell you that I don't know, will you believe me? And Deidre's like, nah. nah. <laughs> And it's, I mean, I think Deidre kind of does believe her, but she's like, I'm just gonna like push you until you blow up like a zit. Like, wait, yeah, uh, can we? I, I love everything about that the... scene. It, like Roberto said, and because every time we see these type of scenes on TV shows or movie, oh, you, I'm gonna break you. And the person that's when our heroes are under interrogation, they never break, they never, they're able to get out. And I'm like, here we go, she's gonna be able to. To hold off and not say anything but when she starts going down the list of everything that Pac said we know he met with this person or with this woman that recruited him because the planet his position in trading was good uh he was recruited by this guy and you've met him six times and you're the only one that goes up the tower you're there for hours like listing every single thing that she knows is true she's not lying she's like oh crap but yeah when she says oh you're not even gonna believe me believe me and she's like nah I just want to talk to you to make sure that what you're telling me is the truth. Because when I go back to my bosses, I don't want to be that bumbling imperial that we're used to. I'm going to be able to give them correct information. Nick is here. Nick is in the house. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Oh, and Scarby, Scott is here. Ro, thanks for being here. Yeah, watching the replay. Hit that like button. All you guys watching, whenever you can. Can, can we take a minute to just to um, give praise to Denise, how good she is as Deidre in that role. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I love about, uh, love about her performance and love that this show does is that they let the characters have their monologue, their crazy speeches. <laughs> and Deidre, uh, Deidre's character is just fantastic. What the actress did, when you see her, she makes little facial tics. Mm -hmm. that tells you that she enjoys what she's doing and that she's fully confident in about what what she's what's going to happen her performance throughout this whole season is one that i absolutely love yeah i mean and nicole gow i think is her name is i might be kind of missing the names but 
I love Deidre. I've loved her since love the first her. episode when we say, and she's evil. And I say she's the worst, but I love her. And it's the the, the acting from the from the actress. It's just I, great in this uh, role. For for me, if there's like one actor in the show that should be considered for an award, it's her. Like she's outstanding, truly. Yeah, yeah man. And I, it's she's so bad. She's so evil. And I, but I don't care. I'll go down over the cliff with her. I mean, but it, it's but sometimes that's the kind of roles that get you, that gets you awards. Like yeah, for example, like for me in House of the Dragon, the two main contenders are Otto and Alicent because they're horrible and they they sell that role so perfectly. Dude, I hate Otto, but he's so good. He's, he's so good. Insane. I hate that's him. Insane. So oh, and yeah. Viserys, but that's for another reason. <laughs> yeah, oh, Viserys, we miss you. Um, but. Let's we'll keep going with the ISB before jumping to Ando and the piece, and we're gonna spend most time there. But then just we meet Cyril again with his mom, who's just pissed at him for just being here. I give you two meals a day, even if they're cocoa puff blue ones, and all you do is kind of chantise me. He's oh, you're looking at my secret box, and then she only perks up when he says that oh, I got a promotion. That's the only thing she cares about. And I love that she goes and just pulls him a little bit more zero. Oh, you deserve it. You finally got another job. You get a little bit more, a second helping of zero. And he's like, crap. That they're horrible. She's horrible. <laughs> like you just get why Cyril is how he is and why he has a fascination with the Empire because she's treating him like shit until he tells her he got a promotion. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah social status. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, ma'am, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Just slurping his ear. He's like, I don't want to hear this. So the cereal is that like one? She says she gives him two meals a day. Is the cereal one of them? Because that's all he eats, seems to eat. But so that's only anyway. breakfast and dinner, and he eats lunch at work, which might be cereal. He might just put in his <laughs> little empire lunch box. But that's how we see them eating that blue milk. But yeah, like you said, that's the only thing that brings joy in her face. Is okay, you're contributing something to society. Uh, what does he have in his secret box? In his private box, as he's been snooping, you think it's something to do with Andor? Lock off someone's hair? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, but I, it has to be his aspirations because he's. Uh, it, it has to be a pic, probably a picture of uh, of a sexy Palpatine or something. <laughs> he's like that's what he wants to reach. Yeah, that's yeah. his goal. Yeah. Oti, this scene between Cyril and Deidre, when he's waiting for her outside of work, he's been stalking her. A lot of people have taken issues with this scene, not that it was bad, but what it represents. Uh, especially a lot of women uh, fans out there have, been say, have said that they've been in similar positions, people just stalking there, how, and then also the progression of Cyril going from, maybe he's losing it up here and becoming radicalized to a point where he sees Oh, I thought my life had no meaning till I met you, and he keeps escalating. What were your thoughts on this scene? He was so creepy, and seeing how he he's um, distorting what happened in his mind when he's mm -hmm. like, "Oh, when when you came to talk to me," she's like, "We <laughs> didn't go to talk to you. We were interrogating yeah. you. Like, what the hell?" So he's basically like, "Yeah, I went on a date with this girl, and yeah. oh, oh, she goes to another school." Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so very creepy, and just him putting all that weight on her, like, uh, I, 
I even got vibes that he was like, yeah, if it wasn't for you, I would have maybe killed myself or something. Mm -hmm. And just like, and mm -hmm. a lot of people do that. Like yeah. a, a lot of guys I've, I know have done that. And, you know, it's creepy. And maybe some people take issue with that, but some people need to see this. And yeah. some people need to see this and feel uncomfortable with it. Like maybe, maybe you're not the person that needs to feel uncomfortable with it, but some guys really, really do. And some girls too. Some girls do this also. But um, yeah, so it, it, it was creepy. It, it was very, very creepy. Yeah, what we said here, it's probably every week, especially the past three or four episodes, how real world examples you can take from what they're showing on Anna saying, oh, it's pretty literal what they're doing. And this might be another case of this guy, loner, single family home where he's there, his, par her, his parents kind of treat her down, loses his job and then just going up and up to, unfortunately, we see here with people doing mass shootings and all that stuff. Is he going that path? Wouldn't put it past these and, type of writers because that's what they've been great at so far. And by the way, I, w thanks to those scenes with his mom, we get why he's this way. It mm -hmm. doesn't excuse it. It doesn't yeah. excuse yeah. that behavior, but we get it. And again, the show has done a great job in doing that. Um, I, yeah, no, it's creepy, okay. but great. <laughs> yeah yeah everything you guys said but the scene is so necessary um when you see when you put it in context of what's going on because you know sometimes success is you know a, a thin line uh and you kind of and and they're kind of both you know two sides of the same coin you know they have this passion that drives them but you know one successful the other one isn't and you know shrill sees uh deidre as everything he wants to be in life and deidre at the end of that conversation she looks at that uh, she looks at shrill like with these horrible eyes uh this horrible look in her in her face because she realizes i think she realizes that she's one mistake away from being shrill like mm -hmm. she, she's playing in this world of of men where every, she's making enemies because of the noise she's making of the people that she's challenging that are probably above her and and nobody kind of and you can see the empire kind of nobody liking her for for that reason that she's making uh headway where others aren't so she's probably has her target on her back so she sees herself that if she makes one mistake if she makes one horrible mistake she's going to be in this position so you see that you see that dichotomy of these two characters that are driven by the same thing going in opposite directions yeah i'll come back to it. i have a question for you guys before we finish up with the isb and, and i joke when that episode when that scene happened that, oh maybe there is something there romantically obviously not no, but it was no. Don't hate me. I still ship them. I do. I yeah, understand. Yeah, I, ship them. <laughs> I know what people say. I've been saying this shouldn't be a ship after that scene because of, again, how real this can hit to some people. But at the same time, it's Star Wars. I don't ship people too often. Let me have this one. I know. I, I really see her taking advantage of him, honestly. So I'm going to come. Yeah, we'll get to it. I want to ask okay. you guys, but there was a scene when he grabs her arm and she looks at him like, I can have you arrested for that. I'm like, ooh, I yeah, would but... too arrest me because <laughs> I don't know. You're... But then they walk into the ISB or she walks into the ISB telling him, don't come back here or you're going to be in trouble. Oh, what's Nick? What's he yeah, saying? Cyril bringing Deidre home to his mom. <laughs> oh, man. Yikes. She, they I just mean, gang out on him. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that he would be an entire episode. Yeah, she'll kick Zero out and adopt Deidre. This is my daughter. This is what I want. So why can't you be like her? <laughs> yeah. She's Uncle Harlow will love her. Of course. Harlow. <laughs> Uncle Harlow is a cat or something. Uh, so they walk into the ISB, or maybe it wasn't at that point, but yeah, they went to the ISB and she goes step by step, uh, like you said, Roy. She's nailing down everything that Big said, connecting Andor to what happened on Aldani, connecting him to Biggs. And we're there, we're almost there. We just need some resources and I'll get him. But let's just talk real quick about they got this pilot that was from Anton Krieger's group. He was going to Kafrin, so a little nod there to Rogue One. But the week before, So Guerrera said, I don't want anything to do with Anton Krieger. He doesn't know what he's doing. And now one of his guys has gone missing. And this is when also I got, okay, the Empire is truly evil. When Deidre kind of says, why don't we just damage his ship, kill him, put him back on the cockpit, and just let it kind of meander into Kafrin, and it'll get towed in, and we kind of, Krieger won't know anything. That's when I said, oh man, this freaking empire is evil as hell. Uh, well, again, all the ISB scenes have been great. What do you guys, or Roito, that scene in the ISB when she's kind of going down the list, uh, party gas is kind of, oh, you're connecting Andor and all this. What are your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, yeah. You know, this is, you know, to go back to seeing, you know, the ISB actually functioning and working. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's a great thing for, for not only uh, uh, for us to see that that you know they're not just in company fools. It's like seeing how they work together and how they're putting all these things together. Seeing their evil plans together it just sets them apart and brings the stakes that uh, the stakes that they're that they're placing that more uh, you know real. Because if if we just see them fumbling and shooting and shooting their lasers in different direction, that that dangers doesn't uh, doesn't um, doesn't register so seeing how well they kind of come off as is it's really really a kind of breath of fresh air to kind of see them work like this and just and this and it's efficiency this is there there's a bit of efficiency going on there where you know they're they're trying to figure out what's really going on kind of flying flying blind but it, it's it's actually really enjoying and i don't know the name of that actor too but i love him that that asb the head of the asb i love his tone yeah. i love how decisive he is i love mm -hmm. how it's like get on it you know what are you yeah. <laughs> they're just waiting just just what to do. And, yeah he seems like a real boss that you're like okay yeah. he tells you something you run and do it and that's something that i'm absolutely in joins so tremendous to seeing this empire be working like this yeah another game of thrones i love nine kyburn kyburn another evil guy uh Alti, so i'm gonna pose this question to both of you but also with you at roberto you said that didra's kind of on that towing the line that anything that she does she might just be pulled down and people might be gunning for her. And Oti, you said that maybe she'll use uh, Cyril at some point. So my question to you guys is, where's Blevin, right? Lieutenant Blevin was in charge of the Molana sector until it was given to Deidre, and we haven't seen him for about three episodes. Nice. I think he's coming for her. I think he's going to be the one to pull her down. Something goes wrong, and she's gonna, he's going to start pointing fingers. And maybe he's the one, maybe he'll use um, Cyril to bring her down. He knows that Cyril might be a little cuckoo in the head, 
and kind of push him towards uh, Deidre when that old thing blows in her face, then she, he can come up and say, see, I told you she didn't know what she was doing. Do you think yeah. that might happen? Or even her assistants that kind of stood up in the middle of the meeting, hey, he shaved his face, they did this, this, did that, already saying Dr. Goy's over there. Is he trying to now jump into it? That's who I'm going with. I, yeah. I don't think uh, Blevin is... I, I think Blevin was there to show us how the Empire works. You know, you need to take the person above you down in order to go up. So I, I don't think he's coming back. Uh, but I, I, I'm looking at her assistant and being like, is this person going to be the one who's going to take Deidre down? And maybe that's how she ends up with Cyril again? I don't know. But I, I, I'm i looking at him because I, I yeah. think that's who, who we should be looking at. <laughs> What do you think, Roberto? Any, yeah. any one of those two trying to bring her down? It, it, it has to be him. It, there's, there's no question. The way, the way he, she kind of, you know, schooled him in front of, in front of the boss, kind of, it's a little bit of a, you know, it's something that stinks to him. I, I would imagine. But, you know, I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of him. You know, maybe because they're, they're, they're using it as a as a kind of maybe as a surprise to kind of bring her down type of thing but yeah i'm surprised that we haven't seen much more of him and i wouldn't be surprised that the what, what you just said using sill as uh, as a way to get to andor first because who's who who else knows andor besides him mm -hmm. he's the only person that has been close enough to uh cassian that that he could recognize him that he knows where he's been it's like no other person uh, has that information, and it's and it's a little bit um, of a mistake on Deidre not maybe not to use uh, Shrill more uh, because of what he knows and what he could possibly need. But yeah, I could see completely those two guys teaming up on Deidre just to just to prove a point because he still is looking for a way to move up. He's not happy where he mm -hmm. is. I don't care if he got a promotion; he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> he wants to be where where the ISB is. You know. So watching the episode, I was with you out there. I thought this guy, I've known those people. I worked in offices long enough as a supervisor and then as a manager where those people below you, they just want to move up by bringing you down. And he's that guy. He, oh, let's send Dr. Goyce over there. I already did. And then when she's kind of stumped when Partiga says, oh, you're connecting Android to Aldani, that's kind of a, a jump. And he jumps up. Oh, he was clean shaven and that's kind of made matches a description of the Aldani Raiders, blah, blah, blah. This, maybe maybe he's doing something. But yeah. when I then go back to uh, Blevin is a few episodes ago when she got the Aldani sector, the Morlana sector, Partigas told her, good job, watch your back. And I don't think these writers will just throw that line and forget about it. I think that's coming back to buy her at some point. And that's why I kind of lean a little bit to Blevin. I, the the second she makes a mistake, someone, whether yeah. it's uh, Blevin or her assistant, someone's gonna be like, ah! <laughs> you know, right. the assistant looks a little bit like Tarkin. There's one Does scene he? where I was like, man, he looks like a young Tarkin. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember right now how, what he looks like. It's, it's ISB. They're all just some uh, white pasty guys. ISB white dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so let's jump from there to the prison. <clears throat> That's where most I miss of you. I miss you, Lauren. By the way, I know you, Lauren. This and he's busy with the Death Star uh, playing uh, Candy Crush. 
I'm listening. Yeah, I'm listening. Oh crap, I gotta buy something. I'm too late. Uh, let's just jump to the prison. So we get there and let's start with it's all Andor and Kino Loy, <clears throat> right? Diego Luna and Andy Circus. They just killed it the whole episode. But even that scene, they're just in their bunk at the end of the shift, just talking. And he's asking, Have you ever thought about escaping? And he's like, uh, Take that thought out, out of your mind if you want to stay here. And it's like, Oh, I'll take that as I know. And we get the whole no one's listening. Do you think they care? And goes back to those first couple of episodes when uh, he told whatever his face was, Luthen, Luthen, to steal from the Empire. It's easy. They don't expect that someone like me is going to get there. They're fat, happy, content, whatever. It's the same thing, right? Alti, take me through this scene and then that big kind of no one's listening. They don't care. He's yelling it. No one's listening. I yeah, I I love that. I I I love a lot of things about the (laughs) the first moment we see Ander like it's I think they say it's been like a month since since he's been there and he he's learned the rose and we see apart from him yelling nobody's listening he's openly trying to escape like (laughs) we we see him talking to a person from another table like oh look at the railings and again Mm -hmm. going back to last episode he's just paying so much attention to everything um look at the railings they don't have shoes um and you know, with the tubes in the bathroom, he we see uh, he's been doing that for a while, and it's not a secret. And I, I love I love that moment with uh, Kino when he asks him they're, they're asking him if he's ever thought of escaping because I think he has, mm-hmm. and I think because he's telling him just just forget about it, just forget about it. I think maybe he tried and it went horribly wrong, mm-hmm. and that's why he's just so into just let's do our sentence, let's get out of here and just forget it. Um, but that moment when he's screaming, it's he's kind of trying to prove a point to him. Like, I can just yell this out and nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's kind of a little bit of desperation. Like, uh, I desperately want to get out of here. And, you know, maybe you start yelling to prove a point and then you get, like, excited and like, <laughs> start yelling a little, yeah. a little bit more. So I, I love that scene. Yeah. For you, Roberto, what was your take on that scene? And also... How are they going to escape? They're in the middle of the ocean. Even if they manage to leave the facility, how are they getting out? They have Michael Phelps with them. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Okay, so... Oh, oh, okay, so this... This freaking... This freaking scene that happened, I, w- I was a little bit perplexed. I was like, okay, why is this conversation happening? It's like Cassian knows who Kino is. He knows he's not going to give him any information. Mm-hmm. But why is this happening? So, and it ties back to a little bit of what you said is that, of course, he thought about, uh, you know, uh, about escaping. But there, but I just thought it was a little bit a little bit weird and it just to move a little bit forward i'm uh, but i'm gonna keep it on kino is that there was a moment with the whole chaotic thing was going on that you see andy circus just acting his butt off and you see his eyes moving back and forth as he's trying to get everybody in line mm-hmm. and then and then at that moment i realized why that conversation happened and not only to set up of course the ending but because it it also explains his character his character is uh okay so i don't know the name of this uh of this but it it it's it it's when you're in it's something happens when people are in a cult and whatever crazy thing they believe in doesn't happen instead of just turning around and saying 
oh, okay, didn't happen. Uh, time to move on with my life. They instead of doing that, they double down and mm-hmm. and make up excuses of why it like, didn't really happen and what and it will happen in the future. It's kind of like, like what we see with the whole uh, uh, you know election denial. Instead of mm-hmm. saying hey, it didn't happen, but like, okay, they double down. So I think that's where Kino is coming from there, where he's been in this for so long. He puts so much work, so much time, so much effort, and he sees the gold of him being released there that he's ignoring his past experience. He knows that little voice in the back of his head is, is true, that he ain't getting out. But he doesn't want to believe that because he put all this time and all this work effort and all that all that time will be for nothing. So he's not listening to Andor because he sees himself in Andor and he doesn't want to get that hope up. He's he's just convinced himself that this moment of release is near and he knows it's not true. I I also think he's maybe in denial that the Empire is changing, which is something mm-hmm. that we're seeing with this show so far. Um, especially with that scene in the end when they ask if they're ever leaving and the doctor says like not for now. Not now. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I think um we're also seeing a galaxy trying to adapt to that, which is also very real world. A lot of people can't accept that the 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 current parties are shifting and that party is losing its fucking mind. <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like like Bob said last week. The left, they can't get on program, they can't get on message. And the right is keeps just doubling down, doubling down. Oh, don't change. We have that conversation, dude. It's not freaking working. There, yeah. Ah, oh, what else? Oh, I think you know how they're gonna escape. I think Kenobi's down there under the water with oh. a couple of breathers, sweating hello for the Yeah, hello there. With, with listen, listen, listen. If Kenobi shows up, it will make literally no sense. But I will lose my freaking mind. Yeah. <laughs> then will be the best. Jar Jar better be with him. Hey, he'll, he'll be there. Uh, maybe it's like the Colossus. Maybe those stations is like the Colossus, and we'll just jump. It's a ship, and they can get out. I, th- but, I think they'll kidnap like a shuttle or something. Yeah, I mean, come on, let's have fun with it. And anyway, great scene. Um, Melshi to me looks like Ben Affleck for some reason. A uh, clean shaven Ben Affleck looks every really? time I see this Ben Affleck. What's he doing there? Um, okay, yeah, they know. should he's cast Ben Affleck actually. <laughs> he's a good actor, he can direct I, I, one of the episodes. I, I, I'm a big fan of his, yeah. Um, but yeah, that whole scene. And come on, <laughs> another reason you know the Empire isn't watching them and going down there that bathroom and that panel that's the jankiest panel ever <laughs> <laughs> that Andrew's beating up it's almost done just taking a couple he, of he can't even put it back right <laughs> it's falling uh, apart so you know the empire is in there because you know if you see that hmm these these prisoners are up to something <laughs> yeah uh, let's just go on program um Man, but i love there's no there's no doors or uh or you know anything private while you're taking a poop it's like no, it's like a regular prison, though. Yeah, even their yeah. bunks is right there, it's open. You're looking at two people across from you as you're doing your business, eating food from that tube. That's... I have oh. such a hard time in that prison. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the kind of person of you're, you're in the urinal, and I someone can't. walks in, I'm like, I'm I can't, <laughs> I, dude. I'm gonna okay, 360, 180, or whatever. I was at a rock concert, rock 
festival years ago, 2002 or 2001, whatever. System of a Down, Ozzy Osbourne, Black oh, Label Society. It was great. Oh. I had right before before uh, System of a Down went on. This is when their second album came out. I went to the bathroom. There's a line of like 30 people in front, to the side, to the back. Dude, I stood there like five minutes. I couldn't. I was about to pee myself, but I couldn't because I'm one of those nervous. As I got someone next to me, I can't go. So I had to come back afterwards. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to last. My bladder will burst in that prison. And I don't know where we were going from there, but we'll, we'll, we'll salvage it. Um, so yeah. Oh no, so Kino Loy, because let's just go with him. You guys have said it great, but he's he's been there so long and he's basically one of the guys there, right? That's his job. As long as I do my job and I keep my people in line in 247 days, I'll be able to leave. Just everything needs copacetic, I'll be able to leave. That's the whole thing. And we see it when they bring the new person down, he goes to the whole speech, level five, floor two, or floor five, level two, whatever, or two, two, these for days. If he goes through the same thing, this is my job. I just want to make it through the day. When the other guy, um, Olaf, almost chucks it down, he's okay, we just gotta make you through another 45 days and you'll be out of here. That's the whole thing, but when crap goes down on level two, something's wrong in level two, like you said, Roberto, he's trying to calm everyone down and he's freaking out because he can't, something is happening. And then we start seeing that shift that he's not in control. And when he learns at the end, no one's getting out. And they, again, they bring this prisoner to serve as a doctor because he's not a guard. They're using these prisoners as labor, surprise, right? And then he basically just gives him a humane euthanasia. He just killed poor Olaf there because we're not going to treat you. We could because it's Star Wars. I'm sure there's some drug or something, medicine for uh, strokes. He just, he, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to give you, he, he's better than us now. No, Control your person. No one's leaving after what happened. And then we get how many people on his lever, how many guys, never more than 12. Oti, did you expect Kino to not turn, but kind of be now on Andor's side, trying to, all right, this happens and we're not going getting out. We have to take matters into our own hands. So I, I don't think I was like necessarily expecting it, but I think um, at, at the beginning of the episode, we kind of see like a sweetness to him that we hadn't seen before. You know, there's that scene at the, he's at the table. He's like, guys, come on, you, you guys can win this. And then yeah. When Olaf has his thing, he's like, "Yo, come on, he's he's almost out. Like, yeah. let's, let's help him." Um, so I think they actually prepared that perfectly well. But um, that scene was—that's why you get an actor like Andy Serkis, mm -hmm. and I'm so glad people are seeing him because mm -hmm. he's an actor that people don't really think about, and he's just sensational. Him as Alfred was great. Oh, um, so. Um, just seeing that shift in him and having that realization, like we're uh, that moment he goes like, "We're not getting out of here, aren't we?" And he's like, "Not, not for now." Mm -hmm. um, just perfect. And I, as we were mentioning, like that just fist bumping <laughs> moment at the end, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I've almost every episode I come here and I say the only thing I didn't like about Andrew is the way that it ends. It always ends kind of. It doesn't make sense. But this was a perfect ending. Um, Roberto, we go from a clerical error, basically, that the Empire, which we've been praising, goes back to their bumbling ways because they moved someone 
from, oh yeah, your time is up. And they put him back on a different floor and everyone kind of knew what was happening. And then they just killed a hundred people. Again, this whole episode is showing how evil. Go ahead, Audi. Question, do you guys see it as a clerical error? I think the way I see it, I, I think they're purposely moving people around and telling them, hey, if they find out about this, we're killing all of you. And I think so, that's what happened in two. So I the first time I th I saw the episode, I'm like, crap, that's what they're doing. They're, yeah, you're sentenced up. Now you're going to a different floor. That's what I was thinking. But the second time I saw it, I think that doctor says something. Oh, they made a mistake and they put someone back in. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of confused. But I want to say that, no, this is what they do. I mean, it's what you said, Otis. Say something and you'll, everyone will die. And then someone just spoke up. What are your thoughts on that, Roberto? And again, how evil freaking Empire is either by a mistake or because if it was a mistake, okay, sorry, we'll put you back. Well, you're gone. We don't have to kill everyone. No, they freaking kill everyone because they found out that this is what they're doing. I think it's a mistake in a sense that they put them in the wrong place. Yeah. Oh, you're breaking up. Um, oh, there you go. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I see it as both kind of like a error and an, and another error because they're, of course, this is the empire is not going to release, uh, you know, free labor, but mm -hmm. I think they messed up and they put them in the wrong place in the wrong place where the word can get out. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so frequently about about that mistake that yeah you're not getting out. I don't care how many how close you are you're not getting out. But one of the things that I kind of you know interesting uh, with this whole this whole scene you know, this whole scene and being in those corridors is how intensely those scenes were especially when they were communicating through mm -hmm. uh, sign language about the information because uh, they're not getting the whole freaking picture so it puts you in a little bit of a panic where everybody's going so this whole scene just works works so well to that moment where you have uh, uh that cassian and andor talking about uh, uh, about how many men uh, uh how many men are there never more than 12 but it, it's just just it's just it's just uh how would i say this just shows how how you know people that that are buying into the system they're buying into some just a dream and they there's really no plan for them other than just work which is it which is kind of just sad because you see you see uh andy circus characters just kind of uh realize that and then we see we see that his how, how his character just goes from one end to the spectrum to the other and it's so freaking so freaking good yeah, I mean, it was great. I think you might be right. Our friend Mo kind of said very similar to what you said. Uh, the, she thinks the error error was that they placed them on a level where people, that they could recognize what happened, and maybe that was it. And our friend Dale is here. Thanks for joining us, Dale. <sighs> but yeah, that empire. Um, horrible. What do you think is going to happen? How are they going to create chaos or create a commotion? I'm guessing it has to be with this pipe that Andor is kind of shaving off. I was thinking that in that past episode, when he's going to be put into place in the prison, they're waiting for one of the guards to get there. And he said, oh, there was a technical error somewhere I had to cover for someone. And they're like, oh no, this takes precedence. I think it's something like that. It's gonna create some mechanical error, issue. They're gonna have to come down and that's when, like he told the other guy, when it's halfway down, they will jump in 
and go from there. But it's going to be interesting and I have complete faith in the writers. I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I kind of think it'll be like a, you know, balls to the wall kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a secret thing. Um, I think they'll take the first chance they can and then they'll take the next, the next <laughs> and the next. And make a hundred, uh, ten people feel like a hundred. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe ten. There's a hundred people in that room or but between the day shift and the night shift is 50 people each just a hundred you get no. 10 or 12 to help make t- 10 people feel like a like hundred men feel like a thousand yeah hey, whatever and, and yeah. if you think about it if one of them gets a pair of boots all so, bets are off because yeah. they don't have weapons so it's like if one of them knows how to fight like then you get one pair of boots then you get two and and we saw that. Cassia knows where they are. Oh. That's the first thing he looked at when he came in. Roberto, is Kino Loy going to eat it? Is he going to escape or is this his last hurrah? Kino? Kino's going to die, man. Uh, <laughs> He's gone. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> let's face it. As, as, as great as Andy Circus as an actor is, his character's always die. So, you know, I would like I, I would like for him to survive and, and you know, cause some somewhere where we could drink, mar- drink margaritas and, and live the rest of his life especially after having such a such a death in this episode that that kind of stings a little bit yeah. because you were rooting for him you know you mm-hmm. you wanted him to 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 be free but it, it didn't happen so so somebody it would be nice if uh you know to give us a little bit of hope and and have characters survive but you know one yeah. thing that i was surprised i was surprised that surprised how how another character in that scene that you were describing, uh, Oti, about about with the panel and and making his way through the through that through that pipe is like how many people are in his plan? Like how many? Mm-hmm. What's it? How big is his group? And you see them communicating through across the the uh, you know through each section. So how many people are involved in this uh, you know uh, in, in Cassian's plan? I think a lot, honestly. I, I think they all know. I I, mm-hmm. I I I don't think they're afraid of anyone finding out, honestly. Yeah, I love that scene because when he goes to the bathroom and that other prisoner kind of giving this look and looking what the hell he's doing, I thought it was just gonna be one of these prison scenes that someone goes and they start a fight in the bathroom or whatever. But no, he's part of the plan. It's mm-hmm. someone from a different table, which like you say, it shows that he's working with different people and that's gonna pay off. And er- by the way, everyone knows about the sign language thing because yeah. there's that scene where Kino's like, "How much? How much time is it gonna take for information mm-hmm. to come through?" So they all know. <laughs> yeah, because the first time I thought it was just him and the other guy. And like, how are they not seeing that they're doing sign language? Everyone knows that's how information goes by. Like you say, it takes days for things to get from floor <laughs> to level whatever. But by the way, I-, I got the feeling that the doctor is also a prisoner in there yes because he doesn't have shoes he has shoes. basically the same outfit so yeah i, I got the vibe yeah i mean you i said it look at minutes ago, but, just like... you know. sorry what did you say roberto oh yeah that that the doctor doesn't even guard when he's talking to him it's yeah. because he's afraid of him mm-hmm yeah, man, one more, one more episode to see how they escape. All right, and we go from the prison to another prison, the marriage can, I guess, at least for Mon Mothman and Perrin, the freaking Perrin. 
Uh, so, but we saw in the Senate. We've been talking, Oti, we want the Senate, we want Senate scenes, and we've seen again and again how empty the Senate chamber is at this point, but how people don't care. It's what a little bit differently from last time. There's people. There more. There are more people, but they didn't care. They were all shutting off uh, their, their lights. I think I heard uh, what she said or something. <laughs> There's a lot of bull. It reminded me of the British Parliament, you know, how yeah. they just scream. But I think I heard someone say, like, what she said. <laughs> Yeah, no one said, what is she proposing? It didn't go that far. There were booze, though. There were booze. And someone said, long live the empire or something. Long live the emperor. Oh, God. But anyway, she's defeated. No one cares about what she's trying to do. She's still trying to fight the right way, or at least kind of give the impression that she's trying to fight the right way. But now your cousin came to visit. She's waiting for you. Roberto, you have any inclination that Vel was going to be Mon Mothma's cousin? Hell no, man. That was a, you know what? That was a complete surprise. And, and this is one of the things that I felt that I, I love this show for is because that scene could have felt flat in the space. You know, this character mm -hmm. being uh, related to Mon Mothma was kind of like a what type of moment. But you see it, you, you see in it that this moment is being paid off from previous scenes. You scenes where she was with Luthen and she wasn't confident. Scenes where mm -hmm. she was about to repair down this wall, but she had this moment of, uh, you know, a fear of her getting herself ready. And you think, oh, this is just a character moment, a really good character, character moment, but no, it's paid off. And it's, it is, but it's also even paid off even more here because this is who she is. And this is the direction that, or the, the choice that she's making to fight. So she's not used to this world, which we all thought she she was. She, we mm -hmm. thought this is who she was, but no, this is who she was. So it's interesting to see how they're tying it together, how they're paying off things that happened in the in the past episodes to this episode. It's one that I really like. It's one that I absolutely love. Yeah, I was when the driver said, oh, your cousin is waiting. I'm like, oh, is that Bail Organa? Is he saying that it's her cousin just to get there? I'm like, I, oh, Bail's here. But then I think I heard that he said she is waiting. I'm like, oh, no, it's not mm -hmm. Bail. I thought it was going to be Leia, mm -hmm. honestly. Oh, oh, no. Come on. I, that, I was thinking Bail. I mean, that would have been great. Oti, last week when we were talking about Vel and Cinta and the jab that Cinta took, oh, I'll play a rich girl trying to be... Uh, I love that how that comes back. Did we talk about that she might have been related to Mon Mothma? I know some people thought that Vel might have been re related to Luthen, actually. Were you surprised I, about this? I thought I thought she was related to Luthen. I think that still can be true. Maybe yeah. Luthen is Mothma's uncle. I don't know. Yeah. Um Stepbrother from I, the second. I desperately want to know how her family got involved with Luthen, though. I think we'll get yeah. that, but I'm I'm like anxious to know now. Um, but no, I, I had no idea she was gonna be related to Mothma. I did not have that on my bingo card. Yeah, and I love that when Mon Mothma goes, "What what is he having you do, or what has he have you been doing?" And she's like, "Who? Still, <laughs> even with her own cousin playing, we don't talk about him. We don't yeah. mention him. It's Voldemort." I second Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great scene. And we get again. Uh, Mo, you have to remind me. Uh, Leda. No. What's Leda, Leda, Leda. Leda. Is that 
No, I but by the way, when I recorded my review, I forgot I was only thinking like if only Mo was here. <laughs> <laughs> but we all need a Mo when we're recording shows. But my mom's my daughter say, Oh, look at the dress she brought me. Oh, you gotta ask your father, he lets me do anything. It's like damn, this mm. that mind is working there. Even then, when they're talking, oh, a lot of people from uh I forgot the planet they're from, Chandrila are here. Oh yes, mom's old boyfriend talking about take home. And she's like, oh what? Chris Wynn just know me from grade school. It's like, man, it's just jabbing that, jabbing that. But again, he, they've been married since they were 15. Like, parent, tone it down, man. Like, yeah. if, if they were a thing, they were a thing like when they were like eight. <laughs> like, oh yeah. When the first love. Uh yeah. What all the I mean, Roberto, what are your thoughts on this? I don't even want to call it failing marriage because it's, it's not a marriage. They're just together. But what are your thoughts on Mon Mothma pairing their daughter, Ty Koma just being there and now bringing in a Chandrillian thug with a lot of money to help out? Yeah, uh, the whole Mothma and her daughter thing just kind of hurts because every time she speaks, uh, she talks to her mom, man. It's like nice to the heart. It's like, just yeah. be nice to your mom. For She's trying. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, she's crying, but you kind of see how her her life is just a complete mess, and and you know, and everything is closing on closing in on her, and now she has an option. She's so desperate that she's gonna take this meeting uh, with this you know sketchy character, and and you kind of see that you know where. She's being squeezed out. So where is her character gonna go? Who she's gonna? Where is she? She's. I feel like I've been feeling like her character needs to, you know, get dirty at some point. And this might be the turning point where she will start getting dirty. Where she because she she's can't she's can't do anything from the position she's in. Something has to happen in her life. And how is that gonna affect the family? It's it's the interesting question. Yeah, it's that's a problem with Mon Motma, right? She doesn't get dirty. She still tries to play by the rules, which is what So Guerrera throws in her face. But like you said, just playing by the rules isn't working. She's trying to move 400 credit, 400,000 credits. And take Koma has to go like, eh, that's a lot of money. People are going to notice. As soon as they look at the, at the bank and yeah. all the transfers, they're going to know that something's wrong. We need to put money back. And then he's talking about this guy, Davos Coldon, which I think I if there's... Name. If George Lucas was writing this, it would be like Davos Combago or something, because that's the type of character that this is. Just this. It would be like Davos Moneyland Davos. <laughs> yeah, some weird thing. <laughs> and then it will be everyone's Gulapshiro. But Scrooge the... McDuck. <laughs> it will be an actual dog just walking there. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with Moth Mothman? Something. I think Mothma's dying. She is. She will. We just and, broke uh, it here. The, the person in uh, Return of the Jedi is actually Muthma. Muthma. There you go. <laughs> Mon Muthma. And that's why she was so great leading the rebels. Uh, so when I was recording... It's called a character arc, people. Yes. So, uh, Roberto, you mentioned something of what's going to happen with her family. When I was talking to uh, Lauren and Andrea yesterday, kind of Lauren brought that point that when we're on Rebels, and Mon Mothma leaves Coruscant, she's by herself. Her family's not there. I understand the characters didn't exist at that point, but can it be that pairing kind of rats her out? We learned from previous episodes, she tells Taikoma, don't trust pairing. 
And last week, Oti, with Bucky, we talked about how Perry was always following her when she's talking to Tycoma. He was always in the background sending Lida over to see what's going on. Do, do you think that maybe Perrin kind of learns what's going on when Mon Mothma is behind and rats her out to the I'm, Empire and she has to leave her family behind? I'm dying to see if there's going to be a confrontation because I think mm -hmm. it'll be a, a like one of those... I don't know if you guys watch Sopranos, but one of those scenes between Tony and Carmela, which they're just like throwing shit at each other. Mm -hmm. And they're usually amazingly acted scenes and i think uh, buck buck brought this up in the last episode but i think there could be tension from from his side like hey you're saying that maybe i'm indifferent maybe i'm cruel but you've literally been alienating me and hiding things from me for years and years and years oh. so i'm dying to know how that relationship is gonna like explode because i think it will <laughs> oh yeah yeah, you know, I think he, this he's such a this this fam this fam family is such an interesting dynamic because I I feel like he could go both ways. Yeah, he could rat out Mothma once he finds out, but he can also uh, you know help her help her out or at least in some sense because they're both invested in their daughter. It's like okay, so what is he gonna do if he gives her up? You know, he's putting his whole he could possibly put his whole family in danger, including his daughter. Or does he go with Moth Mothma and kind of separates, realizes that, you know what, you do your thing and I'll be here taking care of my daughter. That's actually a possibility as well. Most likely like the way the story is going, it feels like it's gonna feels like he's gonna side with the Empire. But the the way the show has been going, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with Mon Mothma. Just but just not he's he's not in the fight because he's taking care of his daughter. Do you imagine a redemption arc for Perrin? I, it would Wait be awesome. Field. It would I mean, be it would awesome. Because we're not waiting for it. He, oh, man, a redemption arc for Perrin just... Uh, I, I still think... Uh, he's, he's such a dick, but I still, <laughs> yeah. I still see it possible. And by the way, I love how disconnected he is from everything, and we see that when he goes to Vel and says, like, you go get married and yeah. find yourself a husband. Like, yeah, uh, just, yeah. Unless you're not going political. Like, oh, my goodness. Pay attention, dude. So I'm just going to highlight this comment real quick from Nick. Parents as nature, he has team energy. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it, it, most likely that's what is going to happen, but we'll see. All right. Again, great acting great writing directing everyone so far has been great in this show i again I have no idea where this is going next week um Oti, any final thoughts on this episode or anything we forgot to bring in it it was great <laughs> that's all i really know can say like i, I love that I, again this show is not what i look for in star wars but i just mm -hmm. can't deny how good it is yes and how effective it is at what it's setting out to do yeah Roberto, any final thoughts? Yeah, I I think we pretty much covered all. It's just yeah, and like and like you said, just like like after the last Jedi, this episode just gives you it just leaves you wondering what's going to happen in the next. How are they going to to top each episode? But they always manage to they always manage to bring a different yeah. perspective, a different view. So when I so when I see characters, I'm like. Okay, I don't know where you're gonna take them. I don't know where they're gonna go, but 
let's go let's go along with the ride yeah all right i have two things one of them is gonna be controversial i'll get i don't know if i'll say it um the first i agree with Oti in terms of this is not what i come from star wars and the one thing that i think is gonna keep me even though i'll say right now this is the best produced star wars show so far uh, there's no denying that i miss the feeling of hope that i love from star wars and there's nine episodes in there's no hope in sight and i'm missing that and i why are you laughing? <laughs> no, I, I feel the same way. I, I, I was just thinking, I'm, I'm missing waking up and watching Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, and I said it again, talking to the Galactic Postcard yesterday, I think at the end, Kenobi will be my favorite series between these two because I connect with those characters more, I connect with the story, and again, it's the story of hope in Star Wars, even though it kind of ends in a bad way between him and Anakin, but everything with Luke and with Leia at the end gives you that spirit of hope. I'm not getting that here, maybe by the end of season two. Again, but in terms of production, acting, writing, you can't deny that this show, it's the best so far. No, it, it, it's truly an outstanding show. And yeah. I'll keep saying this is maybe not my cup of tea, but it's been just, and you know, all the praise it's getting and people saying it's the best Star Wars show. <laughs> I, I don't agree, but you know, yeah. it, there's a reason behind that because it's been oh. great. I'll say, yeah. this, uh, uh, I'll say this about hope. Uh, in House of Dragons, I felt that way throughout the whole show. It's like I'm missing characters that give me hope. Mm. Um, but in the last two episodes, they gave me some good stuff that when it was over this past weekend, when we didn't have a show, I was like, damn, I'm missing the House of Dragons. <laughs> so I'm guessing this is this, it'll probably take a similar route where by the end of the, the season, it'll give you that hope. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, for it sure. will. <sighs> Rebellions are built on hope. Andrew's the first one to say that line. We'll get it. And this is my controversial take. And people will not agree with me, maybe. Um, we talked a few weeks ago. I think I was here with Andres. And we talked about the music because the first, uh, the first four episodes, the soundtrack dropped. And I hadn't listened to it too much. I listened to it last week. And then I listened to the new one for the last four episodes this past week. I love the music in the show. You take the visuals away from it, this music to me is forgettable. I'm sorry, I, I don't, I listen to the whole soundtrack. It's like 50 songs and it only lasts 50 minutes. Like each song is like 55 seconds. Apart from the Molana Niamos mix, everything is forgettable. If you don't have the visuals. In this show, it works 100%. Just listening to his soundtrack, I listened to it once. That's enough. Sorry, that's my my hot take on Nicolas Vitel's soundtrack. And I think we lost Otti because I think his picture is frozen. <laughs> he looks happy. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. he's happy. He just lost my take on it. <sighs> All right. So hopefully Otti will be back at some point. There he goes. He'll be back soon. But before he gets here. We'll go and talk about something else that's not Star Wars. In a new segment, we've been doing it for a month, A World Between Fandoms. All right. Roberto, you mentioned it. House of the Dragon is over. Love that show. Uh, I'm missing my rings of power. That's my show. Love that so much. Yeah. Talking about soundtrack, I've been listening to it. Since it came out, every day I listen to it. 
ah, I wish I'm just waiting for articles. He finally watched She-Hulk. Every time I talked about She-Hulk, there he is. Mm. Let's wait for him. I'll let him plug himself in. There you oh. go. Right, guys. You hated my take on the Android soundtrack so much that you had to leave. I, I actually didn't finish hearing <laughs> hearing it. Sorry. All right, what did fine. you say about the soundtrack? No, no, we, we jump. We're now in a war with info. No, no I, I, I want to. <laughs> no, I want to talk about the soundtrack because I saw a tweet from uh, Austin from Star Wars editor that I totally mm. identify with. That he 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 says something like he hates the Andor track because he desperately wants to hum it, but he can't. But he can't stop playing it in his head, <laughs> and I feel the exact same way. Mm. I have no idea how to hum it, mm. but I I like it. I haven't been a huge fan of the score. I won't lie. It's good, but I think it's yeah. fine. So my take was that the score by itself is nothing to play over and over again. It works in the show. It has the tension that you want during the show, but just listen to it as, oh, let me put a Star Wars soundtrack. It does nothing for me. All these songs, apart from the Niamos mix, they're forgettable. I don't hear a, a song and say, oh, I know what scene this is. It's, eh, whatever. I listen to it once. That's enough. I agree. And I just lost all the few followers we had left on Twitter because Twitter <laughs> is going down to the ground. We'll try to stay there. But... Mastodon! Mastodon, we gotta go there. <laughs> That's such a weird name. <laughs> <laughs> it's a everything great band I, name, though. It is. Plus a great oh, band. It's a great band. But, I mean, everything I see about Mastodon is just how difficult it is just to set it up. And even when, <laughs> oh, this is, this is going to help you. And I read how when people say, oh, this really helped me, I, I still don't get it. So I'll I'll stay here for now. Uh, so Oti, what were you doing fandoms? You finally watched She-Hulk. You was your stuff on She-Hulk after two I months. I, I loved it. I really loved it. I wish it would have been a little bit longer. Um, mm -hmm. it, it works great as a binge, by the way. I, yeah. I know people had issues week by week, and I totally get it. If I had watched it like that, maybe I would have liked it as much. But I literally started it one night and finished it the next morning. Um so I, I really like She-Hulk. Yeah, it's not a bad show. Once you know what it's what you're getting, then <laughs> it, it's I, I think it's my least favorite Marvel show, but I I still had a blast with it. Yeah. You didn't mind that twerking in the post-credit scene that <laughs> had, had you not tell told me it was an after-credit scene, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Watch it. <laughs> oh Roberto, you watch She-Hulk. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I liked it. I liked it tremendously. I think that that actress is so charismatic. I love seeing her smile. She's great. Uh, She's so, great. yeah. So it's like sometimes the show itself, uh, you know, doesn't hold me, but the characters kind of do. Yeah. And in this case, it was just it was all the characters. I absolutely loved them. So it, it was the thing that carried me, and I just had a lot of fun. You know, it, I again, you know. Andor, Lord of the Rings, House of Dragon, even She-Hulk, they all provided different a different taste of, of entertainment and they were all were fun to watch. Yeah. I miss Madison though. <laughs> Madison <laughs> the Y, two ends. She's two ends, one Y, but not what you think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love her. Oh, you I got love that memorized. Her. Yeah, that he gets. Right, I replayed though. it over and over. I loved her. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And I, I love that when that trailer came out and there was a quick scene about that magician and people thought it was Johnny Blaze because that Blaze in the name. Oh, Johnny Blaze, Ghost Rider is here. No, it's just a crappy yeah, magician. Just her. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about DC 
Um, we really don't talk too much about DC here. We kind of keep it with Marvel and all that stuff. But so it was a big shakeup. Okay, you might be, you might know a little bit more than I do. Uh, so DC, DCEU, however you want to call it, has been kind of on this roller coaster ride for years. They wanted to be the MCU just with two movies in. They wanted to do this big whole thing with Justice League. It didn't work. Zack Snyder's Justice League and uh, Snyder found out on Twitter. It's just been a mess. And now they're bringing James Gunn and sorry, someone else I don't have the name with me. Peter, kind of Peter, the... Peter, Peter Safran. All right, Peter Safran mm -hmm. to kind of ride the ship. Uh, Henry Cavill is back as Superman. I haven't seen Black Adam. I don't know if you guys have. Uh, so I'm what do you to go tonight, actually. Okay, so just give me your thoughts on all, all these things that are happening now at DC. And do you think it's a bright future ahead? I do. I, I actually do. I don't think James Gunn takes this job that's basically going to restrain him as a director and as a storyteller because he now, after after the Guardians movies, he can't work with any other studio. He can only work mm -hmm. for DC Studios. It makes sense. He's, he's the yeah. CEO. Um, <laughs> so I don't think he makes this move if he doesn't have certainty that WWE is going to let him work his way. So, and it also, you know, worth mentioning, DC is now its own independent studio. Before it was an, a division inside Warner Brothers. Now it's a, you know, a subsidiary of mm -hmm. uh, Warner, Warner Brothers Discovery, but it's its own independent studio, which grants them a lot of liberty, kind of how uh, Lucasfilm kind of works. Like the, they do their own thing, then they report to Shopping, Iger, whoever. So I'm excited. I think it's, something they desperately needed a little bit of independence from warner brothers because i think that's been the nature of most of their problems mm. um and uh, you know if you don't like saint Snyder's vision then that's a whole other thing but I i'm excited man I, I love james james gunn i love his guardians movies he's he's a great producer he he likes to find talent and maybe he doesn't produce the best movies but he likes to find interesting talent and help them out you know that movie Brightburn, which was like a horror take on Superman. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had a ton of fun with that movie. So he, he kind of likes to do those things. So I'm very interested to see who he brings into the fold and who who's going to do the next uh, Superman thing or something. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I like the move because I think you bring someone like James Gunn, like you said, because he has a plan and he's going to do right with the uh, properties. But I'm and not... He's a fan, by the way. He, he's yeah. a big fan. But I'm not a huge fan of everything he's done. I love the first Guardians. Yeah. I love that movie. Second one, meh, was okay. Uh, Suicide Squads, meh. I enjoyed it, but I oh, didn't. I, I loved it. I yeah. I liked it. it. I I didn't fall off my seat. But I love Peacemaker. The first three episodes, I was like, ah, this show isn't for me. This is for eighteen-year-old frat guys. After that, I love it till the end. So I think, for me, he's hit and miss. But I believe that he has an idea what he wants to do. And of course, bring back Henry Cavill. We lost him as the Witcher, unfortunately, because I love him in that role. But come on, he has to come back. Man of Steel is one of my favorite comic book movies. I I, love I know movie. people they don't, don't like it too much or don't like his kind of version of Superman. I loved it. And I, I can't that. wait to see more of him. Uh, Roberto, are you a fan of some of the DC movies and everything that's going on with them now? Yeah, yeah, you know, when they hired James Gunn, I thought it was a little bit weird, especially since he's kind of like known 
he's a, he's a director, he's a storyteller. So why would you want a position where you're going to be behind the desk and then mm -hmm. moving money and making, making oh, tough decisions? True. It takes you, it takes you away from uh, what you love about, you know, film. But at the same time, when you think about his career, there's at one point where he was actually going to be the head of the Marvel universe directing, uh, you know, taking charge of the space, uh, yeah. of the space of Marvel. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes me okay think that maybe there was maybe James Gunn wanted more uh, for his career than just to uh, just to make to make movies. So when you think about it, it actually it's a good fit, and it actually makes makes me really excited for DC and what they're gonna do uh, moving forward. Which I I'm not quite sure personally. I kind of would like them just to start all over from the beginning <laughs> and move on from there. But I don't think they're gonna do that. I think they're gonna take. Oh, yeah, we lost him. Forward, which which oh, is. Nope, we're no. cutting in and out, Roberto. Oh. I don't know if you can hear us. But... Oh, I'm sorry. All right, yeah, there you go. I, I could hear you. Yeah, but. Uh, I was just gonna. I was just saying that uh, it, it's exciting to see where he's gonna take this uh, this DC universe. Go yeah. Ahead. All right. He's again in and out. Go out before. Uh, uh, um. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't gonna say anything. All right. Um, I just eh, just give me uh, Robert Pattinson and more Batman movies. I love the first uh, Batman. Oh, I, I'm happy as long as they don't mm. touch that project. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the Joker 2 musical, I don't know. We'll see what happens with I'm that one. I'm excited for it. I, I, I'm a big Lady Gaga fan, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, I'll wait. I Is mean, you gonna play I don't... Harley Quinn or just a different character? She... I think she's I, Harley, I think, right? No, yeah, I think she's Harley. Yeah. That's, it's going to be interesting. Again, do you have Joaquin, oh, for sure. Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, which was great. Uh, Lady Gaga, even though it's not my type of music, I can appreciate her talent. She's a great singer, great actor. She's done great things. So, again, we, we'll, we'll wait to see what comes out of it. But I think DC now is finally, ho hopefully, on a hopefully. right track. Yeah. Uh, for, for everyone saying this is the best thing in the world, we still have to wait and see. Like, we haven't seen James Gunn in this huge mm -hmm. role before. So, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I think he's earned the patience and confidence from the fans. So, I'm optimistic more than anything because this is so DC. Like they always do like mm -hmm. these horrible moves that everyone's like, come on. Yeah. And all of a sudden they drop something that's like, boom. And everyone's like, ah, <laughs> finally it's happening. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, all right. So as we finish up, um, Roberto, we're one week or six days, I guess for Oti a little bit less for Wakanda forever, Black Panther 2 and Namor to show up. Are you excited, Roberto, for Black Panther 2? Are you going to go watch it as soon as it comes out? Yeah, I should. I, you know, I should get my I should get my ticket now, but I haven't. Um, but yeah, man, I'm excited for this. You know, this you have two nations that are that seem like they're going to go to war, too. So I was not excited about this, you know? this And <laughs> not to be, not to be, um, you know, it's just the fact that there's two, you know, a bunch of color in this movie and not just predominantly white. It's, a, it's a something really exciting, especially especially for me to see a Mexican-American or a Mexican actor, you know, portray uh, your culture. And mm -hmm. 
and it's it's such a different it's just a, just a different thing you know I, I i i i'm excited i'm i'm a little nervous just because of uh of this um just because i'm i don't know just there's so many feelings that i don't know how to explain but i'm really excited about this <laughs> yeah i mean the first black panther movie just came out of not came out of nowhere but the reception for it was just tremendous for obvious reasons a representation to the african-american community but just as a movie in itself, or for me, I love that movie. It used to be my son's favorite one, and Black Panther was his favorite superhero. It just was something great. And now with Black Panther 2 coming out, you bring in now Namor, as you said, now representing the Mexican Hispanic heritage is going to now appeal to a different community, but it just looks so great. Apart from all the emotional things that are going to happen at the beginning, I'm guessing just with the passing of Chadwick Boseman, but Oti, are you excited? You said you have early tickets to go watch it, hopefully on yeah. Wednesday. I'm going on Wednesday night. Um, I'm very excited to 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 watch the movie. I I was talking with Buck the other day. Black Panther isn't my f it's not even close to being my favorite Marvel mm -hmm. movie. Like it's the kind of movie that you watch, you understand the the praise around it, but it doesn't really connect with me mm -hmm. that much. So but the, the trailers for this one have, have looked like insane. So, yeah. And I'm crossing my fingers that we get maybe Doctor Doom. Like, it's, <laughs> it would make sense in the universe and Wakanda mm -hmm. and Latvia. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, but I'm, I'm very, very excited. Yeah. I'm you excited. Know, they, for... Go ahead, Roberto. Uh, I was just going to say there, you know, there were so many challenges uh, with this movie. And losing Chadwick okay. is so it's just how you know the how it affected making this film. But one of the great things that I think Marvel did was take its time and not rush it and not try mm -hmm. to try to end up the, and 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 pay it. And from what I hear, in they're paying a lot of respects to uh, you know uh, the character uh, and to Chadwick through that. So you know the fact that they took their time with everything it, it's something that i think it's a big learning lesson for a lot of studios to do yeah it's i don't know how it's i mean we saw it in a sense with rights of skywalker right um unfortunately part of carrie fisher how are you gonna move forward with this movie that you have planned some people wanted to recast some people were okay with what they did and it's just I don't know how you come up with a balance or how to honor the character, honor the actors that play those parts, but still move the story forward. So they had a big challenge coming to them. And like you said, Roberto, so far, some of the quick snippets of people that have seen this movie have been very positive. So I, I hope that kind of shows for everyone. For myself, I'm not one to kind of feel that connected to actors when someone passes and people say, oh, this is, affects them so deeply. But I'll say the person chat with Boseman was the one that really affected me because we were similar age. I think he was 43 when he passed. I was 40. Uh, colon cancer with guys of our age or my age so it's things that we need to start thinking about. So it's like it hit close. So it's mm -hmm. just seeing that first trailer, I got very emotional. I just talking to my wife the other day. Oh, if we go to see it, it's like we're, we're going to be a puddle of, of tears. That's first 20 minutes or however, just trying to get to it. So. I don't know when I'll see it. Hopefully, pretty early to release, but really looking forward to it. T'Challa forever. Yeah, that's it. 
All right, so with that, we'll bring an end, not just to our world between fandom, but to our show. Thanks to everyone for being here, everyone in the chat, as always, great with all your comments and your thoughts on it. Thanks, Mo, as always, for helping us out when we forget names of characters. Uh, Roberto, let the people out there know where they can find you, anything else you're working on. And of course, don't forget to help out with the Kickstarter for House of La Mancha and the Sancho plushie. Uh, thank you. You, uh, you can find me in, on Instagram, Roberto double underscore draws, and, and, and Twitter, the Roberto one underscore draws. And I'm back to, uh, you know, life got a little bit hectic. It still, it still kind of is, but, you know, so, but it's calmed down a bit. So you'll be seeing a lot more art from me than, than you have in the, in the past year. And also, yeah, it's about the plushie. Uh, you know, I just appreciate. I I, I know it's a tough time uh, with all the inflation and everything. So, you know, just, if anything, it, I, I share is more than enough. So, uh, just to get the word out to see to make sure that I try and make a lot of people at least be aware of this, at least see it. That it that that's a great gift uh, in itself. So. Thank you, uh, Alberto, for me, for sharing this and sharing mm -hmm. the link, and I greatly appreciate it. Uh, thank you, already uh, for you know just being awesome. You know, thank you for everything. <laughs> yeah, of course. And again, that link to the Kickstarter is down in the description of the video. You'll find the Roberto's page, or you look back through my history. I also tweet it out and do it because I want to have that plushie with me. Um, Oti. You're still on Twitter. You plan on staying? Where can people find you? Down yeah, there? I'm, I'm planning on staying until they kick me out, like I do always. So yeah, you can find me over at Twitter and Instagram. This is my handle at Epe Star Wars. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I I I told people. I told the Galactic Podcast. You're going to too many places. You're not clearing it with me. You're going to Space Waffles, to the Galactic Podcast. People telling me, oh, he was here last week. I'm whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't clear this. Why is he going to all these places? Uh, but yeah, same for me. I'm too at old least to I'm, I'm, I'm plugging Radio Rebellion, at least. Thank you. And that's how I know, because they also, they at me. But thank you, thank you. Um, I'm saying on Twitter, I'm too old to learn a new one. I have Instagram and Twitter, at Radio Rebel Pod. Just find me there. Uh, I don't know what else. If it goes down, then it will go down on... You can just watch the show, YouTube, every Saturday. You'll find us here at 5 p.m. So thank you, Roberto. Thank you, Oti. Thanks to everyone in the chat. As always, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with our friends. Lauren will be here, actually. And Andrew Geha from Outer Rim Reads will join us. Stay safe. Be safe. I may the force be with you. Get on program. <laughs> <laughs>